Welcome to the Nurse Becoming podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume RX, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth, all through the lens of nursing. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Nurse Becoming Podcast. It's your host, Amanda Guarneri, and I am so excited to be talking with you today. We have had a string of some fantastic interview episodes, and so it's nice to be back and sitting and recording a solo episode for you. If you didn't know, I typically batch record my episodes meaning there are like a few days in the quarter where I try to get everything recorded in advance because that's just what works better with my life. So if I'm being totally honest, I think it's been six weeks even since I recorded an episode for you, or at least a solo episode. I've recorded the interviews a little bit closer to that. So I've kind of missed sitting down here and not really talking to myself. I was going to say talking to myself, but I know that I'm talking to you and I do think about you, my listeners, whenever I'm recording. And I feel like it's a special time when I get to think about you and talk directly to you and tell you what I hope will be helpful for you to hear. So today we are going to be talking about a question that I get a lot, which is, what if I've been looking for a job for more than six months or a year? Basically, when is it a bad thing that I have not yet found a job? Uh, And how long is it okay for me to take my time to look and find a job? And how long am I allowed to be picky, basically? So we're going to dive into all that today. So kind of the, the outline of today's episode, we're going to talk about the typical timeline that it takes people to find jobs. We're going to talk about what you should be doing while you're looking, you know, how you should be looking, the types of activities you should be spending your time on. And then we're going to talk about what to say in an interview, because a lot of people get really worried about hearing the question of, why did it take you this long to find a job or why haven't you found a job yet? Um, And so we're going to dive into that and you'll get my tips on that. And we'll also talk about a question that I get, which is when should I just settle? When should I just take anything? And you may or may not be surprised at my answer to that. So we're going to get right into it. This is an episode that I hope will be applicable to you regardless of where you are professionally. I think that I get this question asked a little bit more from nurse practitioners than nurses, mainly because it's been taking nurse practitioners longer to get jobs, not just in COVID times, but even before. But I hope that even for nurses, this is a question um, that I'm hoping to give you some clarity on. So first of all, let's talk about the typical timeline that it takes someone to find a job. Of course, this is highly dependent on many different factors like 
your role, your specific role or your specialty, if you are an NP, your experience, meaning how long you've been in your field, how many years of experience you have behind you. Mainly, probably the biggest thing um, would be your geographic location. So where you are located in the country, where you're looking for a job, which is not really something you have much control over. And of course, pandemic status, whether the area that you're in is experiencing an influx of cases, maybe they have not many cases, maybe things are shut down, maybe things aren't shut down. All these things have been affecting the length it takes for someone to find a job. But the people who study this type of thing, which isn't me, um, but the people who study the average time it takes for someone to find a job across all industries, the average timeline is about five months, which to people that I have told this to, can be kind of shocking. It seems like a long time. And granted, this is across all industries, right? This is not nursing specific. I don't have that information. It's probably out there. I just haven't found it yet. Um, But I think that this timeline is a bit more realistic for nurse practitioners than nurses. In my experience, nurses tend to find a job sooner than that, sooner than five months. Whereas nurse practitioners, this is probably right on the money. And some NPs depending on those other factors we discussed, it's taking a little bit longer. So I really think that this is pretty typical for most NPs and maybe even nurses in high competition metro areas. Um, I know know, New York City tends to be pretty competitive. There are some metro areas that have such an overabundance of nurses that Maybe those who are BSN prepared tend to be prioritized. This is highly dependent, like I said, on the supply and demand of your area and, you know, union rules, a couple other different things. So the first thing that I want you to think about is how to set appropriate expectations. So if you know that the expected length of time or the average length of time is, let's even say three to six months to find a job, you can prepare mentally for that, right? So you're not going to expect to find a job in a week if you know that on average, it takes people longer. So not only can you prepare mentally, but you can also work backwards from that to determine when you need to start looking for a job and or when you need to make other arrangements to ensure that you have a regular income. So let's kind of dive into an example of what I mean by that. So For example, nurse practitioners, if you know that it's going to take you three to six months to find a job on average, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit less, maybe if you're still working as a nurse, maybe you're not going to leave your nursing job right away when you graduate. Or maybe you're going to start your job search early, like maybe two to three months before sitting for boards, you are going to really get serious about your job search. And that is not too early, by the way. The process of getting hired as an NP, of uh, going through the hiring process, accepting an offer, credentialing, the whole onboarding process can take a couple months. So don't think that looking into opportunities two to three months in advance is too is too soon, okay? Arguably, it's never really too soon to be looking for an NP job, to be fostering connections, to be finding places that could be hiring. 
So definitely think about that timeline and work backwards the best that you can. Now, if you want to take a break in between school and starting your job, then by all means, please do that. But I'm giving you this timeline because not everybody can have a lapse in income or a lapse in benefits. So plenty of people are trying to go from one position to another. So if that's you, then you need to be thinking about this timeline and not leaving your job before you have another one lined up. Now for nurses, if you have other employment and you're looking for a job, whether you're a new nurse and you have another part-time or full-time job while you've been in school, or if you're looking to switch roles, uh, maybe don't leave your job right away, or at least consider that it could take you time to find a job. Now, if you're relocating, that's a different story. But again, you can still use this timeline to start working backwards and to make sure that you aren't waiting until you arrive in your new new location to look for a job, thinking that you'll get hired in a week if you want to make sure that you're going from one employer to the other. If you want to do that when you relocate, have a brief period of time of unemployment, like less than a month while you're actually moving, then you need to have a job lined up before you move, which means you need to be looking, you know, at least a month or so before your move date to make that happen. Okay. And like I said before, if you have the luxury of being able to have a period of unemployment, that's totally fine. You just want to make sure that you are thinking about this and planning for it so that you are not shocked and you are not having unrealistic expectations of this timeline that it will take you to get a position. Okay. So next I want to talk about what should you be doing while you are looking meaning what types of activities are going to increase your likelihood of getting a job. So first of all, if you are serious about this job search, I want you to try to spend at least an hour per day on job search related activities. Okay. And these activities include outreach, they include applying for jobs, and they include following up with previous applications. Now, when I say outreach, I mean connecting with people on LinkedIn. I mean making phone calls to places that seem like ideal practice locations, some sort of outreach type activity that's not just applying online, okay? There are many other ways that you can connect with places. Um, You can nurture different types of relationships that you have. You can talk to people who are employed by the same organization to get, you know, an idea of what it's like to work there and whether there are job openings. All those activities fall under the outreach umbrella, Okay, so that's the first thing that I want you to do in that at least one hour per day. Uh, And that should be a fair amount of the time. Okay, maybe like 30 minutes, we'll say. The next thing I want you to focus on, um, aside from outreach in in that everyday list of activities, is applying to um, job postings. So maybe you will have found one or two positions that seem like a good fit and you're going to, you know, adjust your resume and cover letter accordingly and you're going to apply to those positions. And then the last bit of time, you're going to follow up with previous applications. If you are applying to several jobs per week, that means that the following week you should be following up with those previous jobs applications. Okay, so if you had somebody's email address 
that you used to apply, you're going to send a follow-up email. If you had a phone number for the location, you're going to send a follow-up phone call. I want you to not just rely on one contact point when it comes to applying for a job. I don't want you just to apply and hope that you will stand out just on that basis of your resume and cover letter or application alone. If this is something that you want, I want you to go the extra mile and reach out and follow up and try to have additional touch points or additional contact points so that you can be memorable and be potentially um, a top candidate for an interview. Okay. Now, what else should you be doing while you're looking for a job? Um, You may also be working another job. Okay. So that's going to take a bit of your time, but whatever that looks like for you, I want you to really prioritize taking care of yourself. And I know this is like a little bit cliche self-care. Like I don't love that kind of like message of, oh, just do some self-care. But there's a really specific reason for this. Whatever healthy habits you have or whatever healthy habits you want to have, I really want you to focus on those during this transitional time before you have your new job. Because once you have your new job and once you start your new job, these habits will be super, super important and super helpful for you in this transition period when you actually start. Okay. So what types of healthy habits am I talking about? This is certainly up to you. It's kind of whatever this means for you, but it could be, you know, nourishing your body with healthy foods and hydration, spending time away from the job search so that it does not become all consuming. Okay. I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. Like if you are in job search mode, decide how much time per day you have to dedicate to your job search. Okay. Hopefully it's more than an hour, um, but it doesn't need to be 10 or 12 hours. Okay. That's not going to necessarily be super productive. I want you to decide what that time is, block it on your calendar, put it on a list, whatever. And when it's done, close down and go do something else. Okay. Get away from your job search. Give your mind the opportunity to be elsewhere, to do other things. And you will you will come back to it tomorrow. Okay. So this is really um, important because I don't want you to become obsessive or, you know, have it be all consuming of your thoughts. Okay. Be reassured by the fact that you have prioritized this as a regular daily activity. So give yourself permission to put it away and come back to it tomorrow. Okay. Hey, listen up, nurse practitioners and NP students. I'm about to go against the grain here with an unpopular opinion. Have you heard that the NP job market is oversaturated and that you will absolutely struggle to find a job, let alone a job that you love? Well, I'm here to call that out and say that oversaturation is not the problem. And I feel so strongly about this that I recorded a free training for you called Oversaturation Isn't the Problem. And this training explains exactly why spreading this message is actually a problem. And it goes over the other mistakes that may be keeping you from your dream NP job. So it's a totally free on-demand 
video training. You can watch it at theresumerx.com slash NP class. That's theresumerx.com slash NP class, all one word. It runs about 35 minutes and I can guarantee that you will have some serious aha moments during the training. And while you're watching, go ahead and screenshot the training and tag me on Instagram at theresumerx so that I know that you're watching. I cannot wait to hear what you think. Another thing that you can consider doing while you are looking for a job would be to volunteer. Okay. So if you are listening in real time in 2020, there are some really great opportunities for you uh, to volunteer. One of them is the NSRN, which is the National Student Response Network. This is an organization that specifically matches health professional students or recent graduates with COVID-19 relief volunteer opportunities. So this could be a tremendous opportunity in many ways. First of all, you're doing a good thing. You're putting your skills um, to excellent use by giving back to your community. You are getting the opportunity to meet and network and kind of cultivate some professional relationships, which could eventually pay off in the job search front. And you're also showing on your resume, your commitment to your profession and your commitment to the cause, which will say really great things about you in general. Um, this organization nsrnhealth.org is the website, and I'll put that in the show notes at nursebecoming.com. But this organization has sites in all 50 states, has opportunities in all 50 states. So um, they are excellent. They are also, um, if you care about this, which you should, they are very actively anti-racist and pro-social justice organization. So this isn't sponsored or anything, but like I couldn't say enough good things about this organization and how I think you both can help each other. This can benefit you, but by doing this type of work, you would be having um, tremendous impact on the crisis that our country is going through right now. So consider that. All right. So that wraps up what you should be doing while you're looking. And those activities, again, were spending time daily on your job search, which is outreach, applying to jobs, and following up with previous applications. You should be taking care of yourself and you should be considering volunteering. So let's say you get to the point where you're having an interview. Yay. What should you say if they ask? You might be concerned that if it's been a bit of time, more than six months, more than a year, maybe you're going to get that question of why haven't you found a job yet? Or what have you been doing for the past six months? What have you been doing for the past year? First of all, I don't, that may happen. Um, hopefully it's asked more eloquently than that. And if it's not, I would like you to consider, consider how it makes you feel by that whoever's asking you to be asked that question. What does it say about them and about or their organization? So read into that a little bit. And if they seem to be trying to make you uncomfortable, think about whether that's someone you want to work for, first of all. But to get into this question or this topic, 
The first thing I want to say is whenever you are asked a question that could potentially illuminate a weakness of yours, it's a good idea to do whatever you can to spin it into a positive. Okay. So if you're going to be admitting a weakness or admitting a liability, it's totally okay to talk about it. And on the back end, I want you to plan to talk about your kind of lesson that you learned or whatever you think that weakness or liability can be turned into from a positive perspective. So first of all, if you've been affected by the COVID-19 situation in your job search process or your timeline, you need to say that. Come right out and say it. You are not the only one, first of all. There are many, many people who have had canceled clinicals, who have had delayed graduations, so who have been dealing with hiring freezes in their area. So if that's a situation, if it's something that was really out of your control and you are, you know, that's just the circumstance that you've been dealing with, then I think that there will be a tremendous amount of grace given to those who have been experiencing this for these circumstances that are beyond your control. So I would mention that and I would talk about what you've been doing that's been in your control. And I think honesty and vulnerability will go a long way here. And uh, if it doesn't, then I think you have your answer of whether this is a great place for you to be considering um, working at. So that's the first thing. The next thing, I want you to highlight what you have been doing and showcase the fact that you hopefully have been taking an intentional approach to your job search. Okay, so let's say you have been you have had a list of things that you know will be good for you or that you know will be a good fit. Let's say you're passionate about a particular section of your community or a particular organization or a particular specialty or subspecialty, and you've been focusing your efforts exclusively on that because you're so sure that this is where you belong professionally, then that's your answer. And that's a great answer, you know, for you to say, you know, I've really wanted to work for this organization. So to be totally honest, I've been focusing exclusively on, you know, vacancies associated with this organization. Or I have long since wanted to work in this specialty. So I knew it might take me a little bit longer to find a job, but I've been really intentional about focusing on opportunities that line up with what I want to do professionally. No one's really going to fault you on that. Um, So I think that is a great thing to communicate. And again, it showcases your honesty, your vulnerability, and your kind of professional motivation, which I think is really a really admirable thing to talk about in an interview because people can tell when you're feeding them what you think they want to hear versus what's really true and genuine. So I think that if you answer and always come from a genuine place, then it will hopefully be well received by the right employer for you. In the grand scheme of things, you want to be with an employer for a long-term relationship, ideally. So taking the time to find the right fit is not something to be viewed as negative. And you can say that too. You can say, you know, hey, this isn't just a a few-month job for me. I'm looking for a professional home, a place that I can grow with over time. And because of that, I have taken my time to look for and find and focus on the right employer or the right organization for me. So another question I get often is when should you settle? 
So I don't want anyone to settle or feel like they're settling. Um, I don't want anyone to take a position that you know you will hate or anything that is unsafe or unethical. But there may come a point where you may need to adjust your course and adapt to the circumstances. And I like to view this as focusing on stepping stone opportunities, meaning a position that will put you in a good place to eventually go after your bigger dream. So maybe, for example, you're a nurse practitioner and you really want to work in the emergency department or urgent care, and you are trying to find a position there and you're kind of month after month butting up against barriers. Maybe your area isn't um, considering your level of experience in this position or you're having multiple interviews and you're getting passed over. So maybe you consider taking a position at a family practice clinic that sees a lot of same day visits or that has a quick visit clinic on the weekend. Or maybe they don't and you ask if that's something that you can start um, because ultimately it'll give you the opportunity to get exposure to the same types of patients and diagnoses that you would potentially be seeing in emergency or urgent care, thus making it easier to transition to that role once you have a bit more experience under your belt. This is a really valuable thing to think about, especially as a new graduate, if the specialty or the setting that you really want to work in requires a certain level of experience, that's when you look into these stepping stone jobs. Okay. Um, and there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. And the stepping stone could be, you know, specialty related, or it could be that you really want to work in a particular organization, but they don't have any vacancies in the unit that you, that you want. But because you feel so strongly about working for that organization, you decided to work on a different unit. And then once that opportunity opens up, you become an internal candidate down the line. Okay. Another example, if you dream of being a labor and delivery nurse, maybe you expand your focus to include other related and adjacent units like mother baby, high risk OB, NICU, pediatrics, other units that will position you to easily transition or more easily transition to labor and delivery when you have more experience down the line. Okay. So whatever happens, whatever your situation is, I want you to remember that perception is projection. Okay, I want to say that again. Perception is projection. And this is something that I really want you to understand. You are not so much perceiving the external world as you are projecting what you carry inside out onto the world around you. So the world is a reflection of your inner thoughts, your feelings, your values, your beliefs. And I've discussed this previously when it comes to the belief of oversaturation. Someone who believes the market is oversaturated will project that belief and carry it out onto the world around them. We as humans, uh, and especially if you are new or suffering from any sort of imposter syndrome, we tend to project our deepest insecurities and fears onto the outside world. And this can show up in your job search and result in self-sabotage. 
So I really want you to take the opportunity to be honest with yourself, honest with your feelings. And when you are feeling a negative thought when it comes to your job search, can you try to sit with that thought and figure out if it reflects the reality of the situation or if it could possibly be a projection of your inner thought? Could it possibly be a projection of your uncertainty or insecurity or imposter syndrome or nervousness or anxiety or lack of confidence? Whatever it is, um, just, just sit with that and see what you come up with. And I want you to remember that you always have a choice when it comes to your feelings, which is a hard thing to think about and realize and understand. But once you do, it will give you so much more self-empowerment when it comes to working through and growing through hard things. So I hope that this episode has been helpful for you. Please head to the show notes at nursebecoming.com for a couple links. I'm going to link to a couple previous episodes, one particularly on imposter syndrome. If you haven't listened to that, that is episode number 10. I'm going to link to that. And I'm also going to link to the National Student Response Network organization. So I hope that if this episode resonated with you and you are not yet working, I hope you will consider looking to see if there are opportunities that may be a good fit for you uh, to volunteer for COVID relief while you are also searching for a job. So until next time, I can't wait to speak with you again. I am always rooting for you, friend, and we will chat again soon. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and making it all the way to the end. If you found today's episode helpful, would you take a minute and give me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts? It will truly help other nurses find this show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I cannot wait to connect with you again soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.